Well, it's another edition of the Boilers Extra Podcast, following the Music City Bowl Marathon, the 48-45 victory by Purdue uh, was sealed when Mitchell Finneran hit a 39-yard field goal to end overtime and really cap uh, a remarkable game for Purdue and cap a pretty darn good season for the program. Nine wins, first time since 2003 that Purdue has won that many games. Um, so, and when you when you look at the wins over Tennessee, and you look at the wins over Iowa and Michigan State, you know they finished six and two in their last eight games. So it was a just a really good way to cap off this season, a surprising season. Uh, in, in some regards, but also this game was a testament to what Purdue has in its program right now at this juncture. Uh, because you, you know you all know who didn't play, and and this this wasn't about them not playing as much as about the ones that that did play uh, and the ones that took it upon themselves to to play a key role in this game, whether it was for one play, whether it was for five plays, or whether it was for a whole bunch of plays. Um, this was a very satisfying victory for Purdue for a lot of reasons. One being satisfying in a way that Purdue did not have a, a full roster. Uh, to, to, to play in this game. It was without its two best players. It ended up being without at least six starters uh, for injury or health and safety protocol or academics. Uh, you know, when's the last time Purdue won a game when it didn't have six starters? Uh, you know, at, at this level against a, a program like Tennessee. Uh, now, you know, this is not vintage Tennessee, but it's still a program that recruits at a national level and has uh, a different brand of athletes and skill that, that Purdue doesn't have. But this was also satisfying in a way to to, to erase what happened uh, three years ago. And you're never going to change what happened three years ago, but I think it also shows how far... The program has come in its development, how far it's come in some other areas, and and this was a testament to that, a testament to what has happened over the last two or three years with this program and, you know, the upgrading of, of talent, maybe talent that you would not have seen today or guys that you would not have seen today unless there was an opportunity for them to be seen. And when I say that, it's like, if you don't, if George Karloftis plays, you don't see Jack Sullivan as much. If David Bell plays, you don't see Brock Thompson as much. Now, David Bell can make those same plays. Jack, or George Karloftis probably would have had a field day today uh, in this game because I, I wasn't really sold on Tennessee's offensive line from a pass protection standpoint. 
uh, I really think George would have done a, a lot of damage. But my point is that with those guys gone and then with other guys gone, Greg Long being out at left tackle, Milton Wright being out, Milton Wright being out probably opened the door more for Brock Thompson than David Bell being out. Uh, but then you had Diedrich Mackey being out, and that opened the door for Sanusi Kane in the secondary to to uh, to do what it did, and it didn't get off. It did not get off to a good start back there. But and then Branson Dean, the way that Mark Hagan and the defensive staff rotated the defensive tackles with Demar J. Lewis and Prince Boyd uh, and Lawrence Johnson and just using as many guys as they could to keep guys fresh. Jeff Marks played a lot tonight because Purdue had to play a lot of bodies up front, and they subbed, they subbed when they had to. But guys that haven't played a whole lot this year, maybe guys that the coaching staff didn't trust, uh, that's why I think that when you look at what's happened the last two or three years in the program with acquiring talent, whether it be through the high school ranks or through the transfer portal that Purdue has made an upgrade. And I think that was on display tonight. I think that was on display that there have been upgrades. And, you know, not every, not every player works out. I get that. But it shows that this, you know, you know different opponent, different situation, but you come back to the scene of the crime and you're down by 14 points early. It looks like you're going to get your doors blown off again. And to really, you know, pick themselves up, chip away, get themselves in a position to take the lead and then get themselves in a position to go back and forth with Tennessee, uh, you know, again, I think shows what is inside this program right now. And, you know, it, it'll it need to stay there, you know, to keep this thing where it's at. It'll need to stay there. But uh, it was just, a, you know, an overall uh, really gritty effort by, by Purdue based on the obstacles that it had to overcome uh, in this game. Uh, and, you know, Tennessee had some guys out as well, but... They got more depth than Purdue. They got more resources than Purdue. They've got a lot more than Purdue has. And I, again, I think it just goes back to where this program is at, the chemistry that is involved in that building. You know, and he, yes, and Jeff Brom had a month to prepare. If, if if Purdue had to do this in a week, not having at least six starters, there, there's probably no way. Uh, but you had, you know, Jeff knew who he was going to have. There were a couple last-minute surprises, uh, but for the most part, he knew what he knew who he was going to have for this game, and he devised a game plan around it. And I, I felt that what he needed to do from a play-calling standpoint, and then what the players needed to do from an execution standpoint, uh, was going to be crucial in this game, and, and it was. Uh, you know, there was there were some there were a couple trick plays, but nothing nothing fancy. I mean, he he knew that Tennessee's secondary was vulnerable, and, you know, Aiden O'Connell and Brock Thompson made big plays. Uh, you know, he committed to the run game a little bit more. Probably should have done it more than than what he did, uh, but it paid off. 
Now, they did struggle in the red zone again, which is not nothing new. But, you know, I thought that they needed to involve the tight ends more. And as the game went on, that happened. Um, so, you know, I think you, you credit a lot of people for this. Um, and you just credit them for staying staying strong and staying staying in the moment and not really getting caught up in uh, what Tennessee was doing because it's 21-7. Purdue's got a chance to get its doors blown off, but the defense kind of kept making stops. And I know there was a lot of debate, uh, at least on social media, uh, about when it's 21-7 to and Brom kicks a field goal there in the second quarter. Um, and I, I and I, I agreed at the time that it was a tough call, but I felt it was the right call to kick the field goal because you're still early in the game. You still got to show confidence in your defense to make a stop, which up to that point they had made a stop, at least one. But I, I think you needed to still show confidence that you didn't need to pan. You know, you didn't need a panic button there. You didn't need all of a sudden um, to go for a touchdown when uh, a field goal just, you know, inches you closer. And that's what happened. You know, you get a field goal there, your defense gets a stop. You come back down, you get in the red zone again, you struggle. All right, well, you kick a field goal again, you're you're within one possession. So you just kind of, they, they, they picked away at it, let their defense do its thing that it's done most of the year. And boom, before you know it, you get a turnover right before halftime, and Purdue goes in with a halftime lead. You know, so, you know, that's, you know, I, I felt that was kind of a key sequence for Purdue, not to not to try to do too much or try, you know, not to try to hit a, a grand slam with nobody on base because it can't be done. Uh, so I think that's a credit to, to, to what went on tonight and then, uh, the second half was just basically a ping pong match of uh, you score, I score, you score, I score. Oh, that's your big play. Look at our big play. Uh, and they just went back and forth. It was crazy. It was chaotic. Uh, it was fascinating. It was enjoyable. Uh, as a as a sports writer, can have any enjoyment in a in a game like that when there's so many twists and turns and different things that are going on. Uh, but this, this this was an all-time, this will be an all-time classic. And uh, I wrote this in my column. You know, I firmly believe that this this is probably the most satisfying Purdue victory uh, in the history of the program. And I'm not saying it's the best. I'm not saying uh, it's number one on the list of great moments in Purdue football. But it's the most satisfying win when you factor everything in that I that I've already talked about with what happened three years ago here with who Purdue didn't have and who Purdue needed to step up and and play well uh, in this game, and that was a lot of guys. So from that standpoint, I, I just don't, I can't, I'm not going to claim to be the historian of Purdue football that, you know, this this was the, 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 the end-all one, the, you know, but I, it's, it's hard for me to think of another game, you know, that is when you when you factor all those elements into it just how satisfying this victory is for the for the players for the seniors uh for the coaching staff you know for the fan base uh the fan base that 
despite what happened three years ago, still still came in droves to Nashville, uh, number one, to experience uh, Broadway Street and all those things, but also to to, to support the program. And uh, that's why I, I think it, it, it has to rank number one on, on the satisfaction satisf- level, if I said that uh, cor- correctly. It just... I think it just, um, it's just, it's a nice, it's obviously a very nice win, and it's one that, you know, it's not one that, you know, is going to propel them to anything, but it's just one to say, you know what, this one, this one feels good, this one is good, and, and this one is one that people will talk about, and this is one that, as you as you dig deeper into recruiting, as you, you as you as, as you look at things like that, when you look at the transfer portal, when you've got guys looking for new homes, is this a game that resonates with them, at least to give Purdue a look? And you know, every every little bit helps um, for for a place like Purdue, where you know even when you win, you're not you know you're not getting front and center, but how Purdue won this game uh, tonight uh, certainly uh, will 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 last with people. It will be something that they they hold they hold on to, and it's you know it's something that you know the fan base should be very proud of of what what happened. And there you know there were mistakes, there were flaws. It's a football game; that stuff happens, but. Um, I, that that's my biggest takeaway. That this was this was really just a a satisfying victory on so many levels for so many reasons um, that it gives you something really uh, to feel good about. And, and if Purdue would have lost in overtime, I, I think you still feel the same way. You know, you, you know, you you get the moral victory crap out of the way. Which you know I, I I don't I don't buy into and I don't like, but there would have been a there would have been a different level of satis, satis uh, different level of being satisfied because of again you know how hard they played what they had to do to overcome who didn't play and then factoring in you know what happened three years ago so uh, it, it just it to sum it up it, it just a, a good day for Purdue football. And the program, and everybody associated with it, because of of how this unfolded, the way it unfolded, the drama that accompanied it. Uh, it's just just one of those games that I think will last with people for um, a long, long time. And when you talk about Purdue football in in five to ten years. This is a game that that that's going to come up because of you know it was the only game on even though it lasted ten hours uh, it probably bled into the next game uh, people probably got upset but uh, I'll be curious the ratings for this game and how they maybe grew as the game went on but it was a long ass game I'm telling you <laughs> it was a long ass game. Um, but one with, I mean, you, you just, every time you think of something, you, you just, 
you're going to forget about something. But you know, you got a guy like Brock Thompson who's who's going to have to have two surgeries in the off season uh, to to get ready for 2022. Uh, you think a guy like Aiden O'Connell, who was not perfect tonight, he had he made some mistakes. He made some bad mistakes. He made some bad throws that we haven't seen in a long time. But to overcome that and put the team on his back and continue to hit big plays, you know, speaks a lot of where he's at. I know he wanted a better performance tonight because this was kind of the start of his 2022 season. It was the same for everybody, but kind of his start, kind of his opportunity to be on a big stage. He's coming back next year to be the quarterback. You know, chance for him to get the next year off to a really flying start. I mean, he threw, he threw for a ton of yards, and there's, you know, that's that's going to stand out. But I mean, he'll tell you that this was not a this was not one of his better performances. Uh, and I thought I thought he got protected well. I thought the offensive line held up uh, and protected him. Uh, I thought he had plenty of time to throw, but. Uh, it, it wasn't one of his better performances, but it was good enough, and that's that's what you look at. And you know, you look at Purdue's running game. Uh, don't have the stats in front of me, but I, I thought it was productive enough. You know, based on what we've seen this year, you know, it, it was productive enough. And I, you know, as I said earlier, I thought maybe should have run it a little bit more uh, because you you know Purdue was having success. And then you know you go through the other receivers. I mean, T.J. Sheffield, a hometown kid. Uh, you know, has a has a really good game, catches a touchdown, but gets his ankle rolled on by by a defender. Uh, so he's out. Now you're really searching for the bottom of the of the receiver depth chart. I mean, Colin Sullivan played a whole lot. He hadn't played at all this year. Uh, Deion Burks, freshman, makes his makes his first catch on a big third down slant uh, that got Purdue. Um, into the end zone at the end of the half, uh, so a lot of new faces. You know that's why you know these guys get this experience, even if it's just this one game, uh, for them to, to get that experience and uh, get a taste of what it's like to play. You know should make them hungry going into next year. Uh, and then you got Payne Durham who had the crazy 62-yard touchdown where. You know, basically Tennessee didn't tackle him. You know, they touched him. They thought it was flag football, I think. But that that play reminded me of Rondell Moore's Ohio State game, uh, the Ohio State game when he bounced off, you know, three, four, five, six defenders before getting into the end zone. Uh, same thing happened here where, you know, Payne caught the ball, and I think he was expecting to get tackled, but they never brought him down, and he kept running, and he kept running, and he kept running. And then Tennessee's like, oh, well, we need to tackle that guy, and they 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 didn't do it. I mean, that was crazy. That was a crazy play. That, that kind of some kind of sums up the game uh, a little bit. But you you know you go through the whole uh, you know you go through the whole uh, the whole lineup of guys. And, you know, Jalen Alexander had 17 tackles tonight, um, and he was in on a lot of plays, and he was out of a lot of plays because uh, you know his hamstring was bothering him. But he kept coming back. He kept coming back. Um, and then, you know, J- Jabari Brown and uh, Kieran Douglas make the stop in overtime at the goal line uh, where the officials, uh, you know, called forward progress. 
Uh, but then the then the uh, Jalen Wright, the running back, reached over the goal line. And, but you can't. I don't believe you can review forward progress, even though they did review forward progress. Um, so there's a lot of there were a lot of things that happened in this game that um, you know you'll remember uh, that were key. You know, a lot of key plays, a lot of key situations. Uh, you know, I know. Uh, the crowd was booing, or at least the Tennessee side of it was booing, you know, when Purdue had injured players, but they did. You know, they had injured players, and, uh, you know, and that's that's how the game works. I, I don't I don't know what Purdue's motivation was in that. Yeah, you're going to you're going to try to slow them down a little bit. You do what you you do, whatever's necessary within the rules to to do that. And then Tennessee started doing it. Uh, but this was also a brutal, brutally physical game. I mean, Lawrence Johnson I think was, you know, he was cut, he was speared, he was uh, blindsided, um, and it was, I mean, he was, he, he was a guy that was getting frustrated because they were, I, you know, I think Tennessee was was going beyond the play. I think Tennessee was going uh, beyond normal physicality. Uh, you know, maybe that's the way they play in the SEC. Uh, but I give Lawrence credit. I think he lost his cool once, uh, but fortunately it was an offsetting type of penalty that even though he retaliated, they, they got the first guy as well. Uh, so, but it, this was a, this was a very, very physical game. And I mean, even, you know, beyond just your normal football game. And I, you know, I think that's, um, you know, and I speak. I think that speaks to how Purdue held up in this game and didn't and didn't back down from that because I'm sure Tennessee was trying to intimidate Purdue with its physical play and get them to fold uh, and get them to crumble. Uh, but but Purdue didn't. And but you know you can go through that whole roster and look at guys that stepped up and made plays. And, um, and again, I just go back to it just being a, a satisfying victory. Um, you know, from Tennessee's standpoint, the you know it's tied there at the end of regulation. They got the ball midfield or so, but then they take two shots trying to hit a home run with less than what was it, 20 seconds left, 15 seconds left. When you just got to move closer, I mean, they could fall forward and get two or three yards. If you do that twice, you know, a 56-yard field goal turns into a 50-yard field goal. And and that's, you know, and that's something that I, I really didn't, I didn't get from them. Uh, but, you know, th- th- I, I thought that was kind of a, a mistake for them that they, they didn't, uh, they didn't try to get closer there. Um, I thought that was I thought that was odd that they did not try to get closer to to get a to get a field goal or at least try something uh, to get closer. But uh, and then in overtime, you know, I I don't have a you know maybe maybe Josh Heupel thought that uh, um, he he wasn't going to be able to to match Purdue for touchdowns. And, and and that going forward, 
uh, on fourth down and one from the uh, from the one yard line. Uh, like a, like a field goal wouldn't do in his mind any good because Purdue would probably score a touchdown. Uh, but I I I I would contend that you need points there. I think you put the pressure on Purdue to score a touchdown. Where once you didn't get the um, once you didn't get the touchdown, you basically let Purdue win the game. And you know I think that was. Um, again, he knows his team better than I know his team. But I, I just I think you try to stay in the game as long as you can, uh, and uh, and that's that's kind of what that my thinking is that you you just kind of stay in the game. You, you force the other team to do something, and you know maybe they make a mistake, maybe you get a pick, maybe you get a fumble, uh, and then you can win the game that way instead of just. I'm sure he was confident in his play call and was confident his, his kid got in, but it didn't turn out that way. But that's that's for them to debate and and decide. But, uh, you know, that's going to wrap it up uh, on this Thursday night, uh, the last football podcast for a little bit as we move into basketball, uh, as the Boilermakers get back in action Monday against Wisconsin uh, at Mackey Arena. But, again, just a satisfying win for Purdue, I think. Uh, to you know, to cap the season with nine wins, um, I'm not a big believer in momentum in the off season, but I do think you know this win and this how it came about in this season kind of kind of lifts Purdue up a little bit and lifts them uh, maybe into some uh, places they haven't been before. Maybe it opens a few doors in recruiting. Maybe it opens a, a door or two in the transfer portal. Uh, but if anything, it should give the players that are returning uh, a ton of confidence. Uh, that you know what you can you can play on this stage you can be on this stage uh, you know now you just you know you're just trying to 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 build and maintain a program that is in this position you know, every year and you know I think a win like this can can do that but you know you've got to keep doing the things uh, that that need to be done to to make it happen. All right, well, we appreciate you stopping by. Hope you're not too exhausted from from watching the game. It was, you know, to be honest, I can't wait to go back and watch it because there's always things that I miss because I'm trying to do work at the same time. So I look forward to going back and watching it uh, in its entirety to kind of get a a different feel for for what happened and, you know, why things happen and, and, and stuff like that. But appreciate your support uh, with the podcast uh, uh, through all this, and uh, uh, we'll, we'll keep doing them as, uh, as Purdue basketball resumes next week, and uh, we'll do them as warranted uh, with other things, other sports, uh, as those situations pop up. All right, well, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays, uh, be safe, uh, and then uh, just appreciate you stopping by and listening. And uh, have a good day, and then uh, we'll see you. We'll talk to you again in 2022.